Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church and welcome to everyone viewing online. My name is Sarah, and we are so glad to have you with us today. I want to read out of John 14. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And verse 21 says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. We're going to sing Come What May again. I know we sang it a couple weeks ago, but this message is so important during this season that no matter what's going on around us, come what may, Father, we will obey you because we love you and we're living for an audience of one. Amen. Let's sing this morning. Matt's going to lead us in sound of adoration. We're going to say, Jesus, we love you with all of our hearts. Let's praise him today.
to follow you with all of our hearts.
Father, today we choose to obey through our obedience to you. We choose to love you, Lord, through our obedience. We take up our cross today and we follow you, dear Lord. No matter what the cause, we choose to obey and follow you with all of our hearts. You are a good and faithful God. In Jesus' name, give him praise this morning. He is so good. You may be seated today. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in such awesome worship before the Lord today. Again, welcome to all of you. Our missions offering focus last week, we chose to just show our local health care workers how much we appreciate them. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was totally taken back by such positive response from last week. We uh, brought cookie trays to uh, the local hospitals, to Lolly Camp, North Oaks, the rehab hospital, to five of our local nursing homes that we have. And everywhere that the staff went, they just said it was just an overwhelming response of genuine thankfulness that we would honor them and choose to think of them during this time. And one of the nurses at one of the hospitals, they had a group of nurses that were calling the administrator down right now just to see so he can see all that y'all have done for us. And so it was just truly a blessing. I met one of the employees, hospital staff employees, as she was coming in this morning. She said, the cookie trays were awesome. They loved them. She said, I'm going to be honest with you. Morale has been low. This thing has gone on and on with really no end in sight, and everyone's tired. But when they got those cookie trays last week, it was just so uplifting. You could just see spirit being lifted and the Lord used you to do that it wasn't about eating a cookie off a tray it was about someone saying we see what you're doing the sacrifices that you're making and we appreciate you and we're praying for you and we pray that as we shine that light in our community that those who don't know the Lord would begin to seek him as we pour acts of kindness on their lives and so today we're going to continue to show our appreciation this week to all of our first responders who have also been on the front lines during this pandemic sacrificing sacrificing so much to keep our community safe we're going to be delivering cookie trays this week to our local law enforcement to our firefighters EMTs to Acadian ambulance the office there just to say the same thing during these unprecedented times you have worked tirelessly to keep our community safe 
and we thank you and we're praying for you and for your families and so today ushers you come forward we're going to give we want to give from our hearts today especially those police officers pastor kevin always says you could never pay me enough money to be a police officer they put their lives at risk every call every traffic stop everything that they do we want them to know we as a church are thankful for you and we appreciate you along with our other first responders so let's stand this morning let's come and bring our offering in faith morning everyone can y'all hear me this week all right the old man finally learned how to turn it on welcome everyone to the house of the Lord what a blessing and a privilege it is just to come and share God's Word to worship our Heavenly Father to bask in the love 
that Jesus Christ has laid upon our lives, the salvation that we have inherited through his death on the cross and his being raised from the dead, we have a lot to be thankful for this morning. Amen. Bless everyone joining us online today, watching wherever you may be, or maybe even later on in the week, uh, maybe you're from another church, another place, and you'll tune in with us, and we are so glad to have you with us today. I want to read a scripture to you today to begin. It's a well-known scripture. We all have heard it, and, but I think many times it's misunderstood. It is one of the most joyous, blessed words that Jesus spoke from his lips as he lived upon this earth, but many times we need to maybe reevaluate what he's saying here so that we can enjoy all the blessings and benefits of this promise. Before we begin, I just want to go to the Lord in prayer, ask the Lord to give you ears to hear today, a heart to understand, and eyes to see. Father God, bless us as your people today. Father, unless you enlighten us, Holy Spirit, unless you guide us, we remain in the dark. Open our hearts, give us revelation, give us understanding in your word, and all God's people said, amen, as we pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus. And so Jesus said this as he stood before the people, what a grand invitation, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What the world needs today, what America needs today, what we all in this room need today is we need some rest. We need the rest that only Jesus can bring us. And so Jesus continues, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to understand that many times, though we would not say it, though people would not say it, who have come to church, who've opened their heart, Uh, to the Lord, so to speak, or they're going to be a Christian and they pray to prayer, or they've been baptized, or whatever they've done to follow Christ, maybe they wouldn't say this, but it hasn't been easy at all. And this burden has not really been removed, and I don't find anything really light about my Christian experience. And many times we don't understand that there is a condition to this wonderful promise. And that promise is Jesus, his instruction to take his yoke upon us. His yoke. Many times we think that Jesus has come to give us freedom in this world. But I want you to understand before we come to Christ, we are just wild, unharnessed, unyoked people who are basically obeying themselves and doing what we want to do. We are like a wild Mustang. We watch the old Westerns and we see these. I need that picture right there. That was your cue right there. We're like a wild Mustang, broken or unbroken, running in the lilied pastures and the fields and the meadows. Drinking beside the still waters anytime we want, 
We are free. We're running. We're doing what we want to do. Put that next picture up. We're all like this. We're just wild stallions doing what we want to do. But when we come to Christ, Jesus breaks the wild stallions. He breaks the wild mustangs, and we are then created to be service animals. Can I get a witness in the house? Today we are portraying to the culture out there that we are free. There's no restraint. Do what you want to do. If you feel like it's okay, do it. You're not under the law. No one can tell you anything. What we don't understand is that when we come to Christ, we are literally placed in a yoke where we learn from Him, where we hear His voice, we do what He says, and we follow wherever He leads. We come under His Lordship. We come under His authority. That's a curse word in the church today, and I I hate to cause you to curse today, but I'm going to ask everyone to say the word authority. Say it. Say it again. Say it louder. Authority. When we come to Christ, we are placed under his yoke, and as I lose my life, as I take up my cross, as I die to myself, It is then and only then that I find rest for my soul. And I trust him to lead me and cause me to lie down in green pastures or to lead me beside the still waters. It is he who is leading me. He is my Lord. And sometimes he chooses to lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. And in that moment, I don't want to be in that place. I would choose rather not to be this place, in that place, but I am no longer a wild Mustang. I have been yoked to my master, and I cause myself and make the decision to say, Jesus, I don't know what's happening here, but I trust in you. I don't like what you're doing in my life. I don't like your do this sometimes or do that. But you're my master and my Lord, and I'm under your authority. I am no longer lawlessness. I am lawful, and I know, Lord, that you are leading me. To come to Christ means you are placed under his authority. To live as a believer, a Christian in this world, means that you live under authority, God's authority. Matthew 7, I could preach it every week. It's an astounding scene to me as we are at the end and people are standing before the Lord and they're going to be judged as whether they are genuine or not. And they have all the marks of being a believer. They have confessed Jesus Lord. They call him Lord. They have what we would call manifestations of the Spirit, and the power of God is moving in their lives and in their assemblies and in their church culture. They have good music. They have good teaching. And everyone is unaware of their condition, that they are in proximity to Jesus. They talk about Jesus. He teaches in their streets, Luke 13, 
but they are not under the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are not only not under his authority, they are under no authority. And so when Jesus comes back, he's going to say, or people are going to say to him, Lord, we prophesied, we cast out demons, we did many mighty works in your name. And he's going to say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. We have it. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. See, to me, that's so significant. We're not talking about a people who fell away from something. We're talking about a people who were never yoked. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. They had all the markings of being a church member. They had all the markings of being a Christian as far as the culture sees, but they miss one essential ingredient. They were never under the yoke, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 25, which is a position of servanthood, serving Jesus, serving the world, serving my neighbor, serving for sure, those who are closest to us in the household of faith. And so we see in Matthew 25, again, he's separating the sheep from the goats. And he turns to the goats on his right hand and said, Come in to the joy of the Lord. Blessed are you and my father. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was sick and you visited me. And so forth and so on. And they are astonished. They never saw themselves as feeding or giving drink to Jesus. And Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And you know, he turns to the goats and he says, you know, you are sentenced to judgment and to the lake of fire where the worm dieth not. It's a tragic scene. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. And what happens is neither one of these groups associated their relationship with people in their life, their circle of influence with Jesus himself. They were not under the yoke. They were not in a position of servanthood to people around, and they didn't understand that when I'm under Christ's authority, I'm under all of God's authority. When I, serve G- when I serve others, I am serving Jesus. I should have said it this way. When I'm submitted to those people around me, I'm submitted to Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We've been through a lot in the last several years. We've been through a lot last year. Still going through it, as Pastor Lisa said. COVID-19, this pandemic has really rocked our world. And even as such, it really isn't that big a deal, you know, considering what, you know, historically people have been through and what we're going through one day during the tribulation and so forth and so on. But it has really shaken us and caused us to position ourselves and manifest, you know, my faith in God or the lack thereof. COVID-19, the pandemic, we've been going through a lot, the battle for social equality. That war is being waged right now in America. Political wars, they haven't ended. They're going to continue. The sexual revolution that we have 
witness over the last 10 years. It's the only thing I know to call it. In 10 years, our society has been on a downward plunge away from God's word and his law concerning marriage, male, female, and the like. The reconstruction of church culture today, anybody with any understanding, historically where we've been, our forefathers, the men who God used to preach the great awakenings that turned America toward his heart that, that caused us to be the land of the free and the home of the, the brave and the, under God we trust and so forth and so on. We are not our grandpa's church, if you will, at all. We have reconstructed the church culture. I want you to understand that woven throughout these I don't want to lessen them by calling them subjects or these, these, these storms, these things that we're dealing with is the question of authority. We have never been in, in a more of a position to question authority than we are right now in America. What is authority? What is legitimate authority? What do I submit to? What do I turn away from? What do I, what do, I do in this world today? How do I remain yoked with Jesus and be under his authority? And yet all of these things are happening around me. I don't know how to navigate through this. You are not alone. We're all in this boat together. And that's why I'm preaching this message today because there is probably not a more important message to preach right now than the question of authority. I want you to understand that in this season, this time that we're living in, you better know what you're looking at. Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Look at the world around you through spiritual eyes, not through the gray matter, not through your physical eyes, but through your spirit. You better look at the world around you and you better discern what's happening because Satan is a master magician. He is a master in sleight of hand. And he'll get you focused on an apple while he takes away from you your place of blessing and your position of authority over him. He is a master at causing us to look at things that sometimes are very viable, very important, but we don't understand what he's really up to. And in these days, you better have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what Satan is doing, what God is doing, and how you and I should be responding. In short, lawlessness is abounding just like Jesus said it would in the last days. Stop signs are coming down. Yield signs are coming down. Red lights are being removed, and the laws that once governed our lives are one by one being contested, and one by one are being removed. Just like I preached last week, we get tired of the fence we get tired of the parameters, and so what we do is we take the fence down. And I want you to understand that really works for a season, because when there is no fence, 
there is no offense. When you remove the fence, there is no one offended. When you take the stop sign down, everybody's excited until we start having head-on collisions and people start dying and Satan starts having his way in our nation, in our churches, in our families. We are seeing more and more of those who want no restraint. Now, I want you to understand, I am not, just like last week, I'm, I'm including those people out there, but I'm including us right here as I preach this message today. We are seeing more and more of those who want no restraint, nor any law that would govern their passions or confront their will. We are seeing more and more a violent contest and an all-out war being waged against anyone who would try to bring any restraint or, God forbid, enforce the law. Those who were called to restrain, to bring order, to communicate the law, and when necessary to enforce the law, are called authority figures or positions of authority. The contest that is created, the battle that is being fought against authority in our day is called lawlessness or rebellion. Rebellion is to engage in a contest with authority. I want to say that again. Rebellion is to engage in a contest with authority. Rebellion is lawlessness. Lawlessness is abounding, therefore rebellion is abounding. It's like this this mist that's flowing across our land today. And I wish that the walls of our churches were blocking it out, but we're carrying that mist into into our assemblies. And we've never been more rebellious than we are right now. Jesus said in the last, or the Bible says in the last days, And it's remarkable to me as he describes, you know, the nature of people in the last days. In both lists, it says disobedient to parents and disobedient to parents. And we never really relate disobedience to parents as an end-time sign, but it is. Because lawlessness is abounding. I said this, I, I think Josh said this Wednesday night, and it's very crucial that we present this principle to you and that you get it in your heart. If you need to question it, question it until you, you, you know that either, it's either right or wrong. But, 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 but survey it, examine it, look at it, see what you believe. Because this is what I believe with everything I am that the Bible teaches and therefore this is what I teach. That authority is the only antidote for rebellion. Authority is the only antidote for rebellion. To miss this is is to literally to miss the kingdom of God. To miss this, where does it all start? In a yoke. Where's it going to end? In a yoke. I may have a few, you know, welt marks pulling here and there along the way. Moments of stubbornness. I may have some wounds trying to have my own way in that yoke until Jesus and the Holy Spirit begins to quicken my heart 
And I settled down, but I want to tell you, those who are going to make it to the other side are going to be those who remain in the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 13. This is a message we need to preach in this hour. And it says this. Now, I want you to understand. Well, let me say that in a moment. Let me, let me read a little bit first. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. New King James. So let every, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Get, ask the Lord to give you ears to hear today. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are what? God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants. Again, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them. Let's everyone say that together. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but to also keep a clear conscience. You know what's wrong with a lot of people? Their conscience is violated. They're not living under the covering of authority in their life. Again, I want you to understand from last, I am not, this message is not about me. It is about my position, but it's not about me. It's about your position as a dad. It's about your position as parents. Any teachers in the room, raise your hand real quick. It's about your position in the classroom. Amen. Any policemen in the room, I know we have some. Is Brett, anybody else? Raise your hand. Policemen in the room. Thank you, thank you. I see you. Yes, several. It's about your position as you do what you do. And the Bible says that all authority comes from God. So you must submit to them and to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes too for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Owe nothing to anyone. I want to include verse 8 for sure. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. I want you to understand as you're sitting there, some of you are analyzing the doability of what I'm saying right now. And you're looking at the government, you're looking at prior governments, you're looking at governments around the world, you're looking at, you know, tyrannical governments, you're looking at all these things, and I understand because I do the same thing. And I want you to understand there are illegitimate authority positions out there, there's no question. I am not 
going to submit to a false prophet. <laughs> I am not going to submit to the Antichrist. You know, if we, if we happen to be living when he comes on the scene and he is promising freedom and peace. By the way, did you know that? That when the Antichrist first comes, he's going to bring world peace. Did you know that? And everybody's going to buy in. And we're going to take the mark, or somebody's going to take the mark, or they don't buy and sell and whatever without that mark. And I want to say, if I happen to be here, and we're, we're, the, the rapture's misplaced, and I, don't th- and I thought and I think or whatever, but if I'm here, I'm not going to take that mark, and I am not going to submit to the Antichrist, right? I'm just using that as, as an illustration. There are illegitimate authority out there. There's no question. In fact, there's quite a bit of it. But I want you to understand that the government that Paul is speaking into and bringing this letter to is a government not even as viable as the government we have. And these Caesars that are heading this government are bringing the people of God under great oppression. And they have hired Jews to get taxes from their very own people. People are put off. They, they want this oppression to cease. They thought Jesus was going to come and put an end to it all, but he didn't. These Caesars, Caesars were vile men. They were vile, sexually, sexually immoral. They were homosexuals, uh, many of them, just basking in just sexual immorality to, to levels that you and I would cringe at. Nero is persecuting Christians. They, he, are, he is taking their, their bodies and putting them on stakes with tar and pitch on them and lighting them up and lighting, or burning them and lighting his gardens. And I mean, it's just crazy craziness. And we have to address this. Because, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but so often we think, well, you know what, that doesn't apply to me because of this situation. Just hold up. And I want to say that it is not what you think. Let me say that right now. It's not what you think. What do we do in our, in our society? What are we going to do? Did you read about those two FBI agents that went into that house and trying to investigate and get into a situation. I know Brett Brett definitely knows about this. Crimes against children, a pornography ring or whatever it might have been. I don't know all the details. But when they walked in the house, they were shot to death because the law had arrived. Somebody had come to shut this lawlessness down and this gross sin against children. What are we going to do in our day? What are you going to do if you're an FBI agent? What are you going to do if you're the wife of an FBI agent? One of these was a lady. What are you going to do if you are married to an FBI agent? What are you going to do if your mom and dad are FBI agents, are positions of authority? Are we going to stop going into the house? Because in the house is where the war is. The war of lawlessness versus being lawful and submissive to authority. 
It reminds me of Jesus outside the city of Jerusalem as he is weeping. And he's saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you together under my wing, in my yoke, if you will. But you are not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. Your house is filled with lawlessness and the consequences of lawlessness. And my blessing and my authority that would drive out the enemy in your life can't come into your house. It's left to you desolate because you were not willing. Because God loves us and wants us to succeed in his good plan for our lives, he places over us authority. And he will send authority to knock at the door of our house if we have allowed ourselves to drift away from his heart, his ways, and his law. How you respond to those placed over you and how you respond when the knock comes to your door is a window into your heart and will expose what kind of person you are and what road you're traveling on. A Christian on the narrow road, that's difficult, it's hard, I don't get my way, I don't run through the lilied meadows anymore, I'm not my own. Or a lost person on the broad road that will eventually lead us to destruction. Another statement. It is impossible for you to be rebellious towards God's authority and to be a child of God. You can have your moments. You can have your season. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It was their nature. If it is your nature to disobey authority in your life, whether it's teachers, coaches, pastors, policemen, government, whatever it is, we've already learned that there is a hierarchy of and an infrastructure of authority that God's placed all around us. And in submitting to them, I'm submitting to him. It's impossible, parents, it's impossible for you to be rebellious towards God's authority and to be a child of God. Depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. How God views authority is giving us, given throughout the word. I don't think there's a better picture than Numbers chapter 16. I'm going to do my best to get through it, but my prayer is that you would learn something and never forget what you're about to see in God's word And more importantly, applying it to your life, applying it to the people that you're in proximity to, in relationship with, let's read it. This is called the rebellion of Korah. You'll see that many times, the rebellion of Korah, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. In verse 2, and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders, of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. These were the men who were the leaders of the leaders back in Egypt. They were looked upon by the the people of Israel as 
positions of leadership and authority over us as a nation. These were not just anybody. And they had gathered together, these 250, and they came against Moses and Aaron in verse 3 and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above this assembly of the Lord? And so when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. Let me ask you, did Moses want to be in authority over these people? Not at all. He didn't want it at all. But because God knew he would obey, he put this man, this weak man, this stammering, stumbling, stuttering man over these people. He was a weak thing, but God chooses the weak things to confound that which is strong. Moses didn't want to do this. He didn't want to go out in this wilderness. He wasn't in charge of the navigation He didn't have the GPS in his hand. It was God leading them with a cloud by day and a fire by night. And wherever they were at and whatever was happening, it wasn't his fault. It was God's fault, if you will. And when they took their stand and what they were saying is, Moses, listen to me. This doesn't make sense what you're doing. Leading us here. Leading us here. This doesn't make sense. We're smart people here. You see this crew we've assembled They're smarter than you. They know more than you. We know more than you, Moses. And Moses fell on his face because he knew what just took place was not going to be good. And Moses literally, because he loved these people with his life, laid down before the Lord basically at this moment, and he was evoking the mercy of God into this situation. Verse 12, and Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, but they said, we will not come up. You are nothing over us. You are no position of authority over us. We're not coming up. Is it a small thing that you have brought us out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness that you should keep acting like a prince over us? Daddy, I'm smarter than you. Mom, I'm smarter than you. Your evaluation of what's taking place in my life, your words of wisdom to me are mute. I know more than you do. I know better than you do. Why do you keep acting like you're smarter than me, Mom? Why do you think you have more discernment than me, Dad? I know. The things that are going on in my life are not bringing me joy and peace and fulfillment, and therefore I want out of this yoke, and I want to run through the meadows, and I want to drink from the bubbling brooks, and I want to to taste and see. I want to do what I want to do. I have never seen an individual full of faith, full of love, full of good works, full of service ever get in rebellion. It always happens When there's something not right, something gets twisted, something gets out of sort, something going on in the house that brings fear, frustration, or whatever it is, and all of a sudden, I become prey to the enemy. 
Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. In other words, are you going to make them blind? We see what we see. And how are you going to hold to your position that you're doing something that makes sense? There's no wisdom here. We're not coming up. Verse 20, and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. God is about to destroy the entire congregation. And here's when you know you're a legitimate authority figure in the lives of people. This is when you know, Dad, that you're leading by the Spirit of God and not by your own flesh and your own will. This is when you know, husband. This is when you know, mom and dad. This is when you know, police officer. This is when you know, teacher. Because when you're in those positions of authority, you don't want to see nobody dead. You don't want to see nobody destroyed. And so Moses falls on his face and says, God, please don't do this. Please don't do this. You called me to this. And now I'm married to these people, and I love these people, and I don't want anything bad to happen to them. I know you'll start over, and I'll be a nation. I, I don't want that. These people that I'm living, these, these children in this classroom, these kids in my home, these people in my church, Lord, it's my life. It's all that I know. Don't do it, Lord. And so the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the congregation then, saying, get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him, and he spoke to the congregation saying, depart now from the tents of these wicked men, touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. I've been pastoring for 30, just a little over 30 years. And I've watched people get into rebellion in the church world. And I've heard and I've seen a lot. And I want you to understand this is the word of the Lord. I don't have time to give you the four, five, six, seven scriptures in the New Testament to tell you this. You are called, I am called, if we're in the yoke and there is someone who has yielded to a spirit of rebellion, get away from their tents. Don't touch anything of theirs. We are never called to reason with rebellion. It took me 20 years to learn that, but I'm telling you now, I have zero success in dealing with rebellion. I have had hours of meetings I have typed out pages and pages of emails trying to explain, trying to teach, trying to do whatever. You know what they do? They trample it under their feet, and then they turn and rend you. I've been there. I'm telling you, when there's a rebellious spirit, we are called to leave it alone. And when you find yourself in relationship with rebellion, you're going to fall prey to the same spirit. I've seen it hundreds of times. 
And over those years, you'll have people that, you know, and I, I've been in many pastor's meetings. I've been in five years traveling and ministry and talking to people and pastors and telling me the story of where they're at and what they're going through. I'm telling you, I've heard a lot. Let me tell you, a, a, common, a common comment you will hear from rebellion. Nobody loved me. Nobody even reached out to me. Nobody came looking for me. We're not supposed to. You take responsibility. You have been communicated to by authority. It is not my job to come down to the pig pen and talk you out of the pig pen. It's for you to learn your lesson, humble yourself, get to your end, get to your bottom, feed after the swine and go, you know what, what am I doing here? I will arise. I'm going back to the house. And when we see you coming up the road, there will, no, there will be no there will be no berating. There will be no, you know, you are none of that. We're gonna run, embrace you, put a robe on you, you know. We're gonna love you. But I want to tell you, rebellion before the Lord is a very, very serious thing. Can I get one amen right there? Now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households, all the men with Korah, with all their goods, so they, so they and all those with them. <laughs> Get away. Well, I, I just want to, you know, he's my buddy. All of a sudden they got swallowed up too and they perished from among the assembly. Then all, the, all of Israel who were around them fled at their cry for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. And a fire came out from the Lord, consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. It's just this level of delivering from rebellion. This, it's not over with. <laughs> I've experienced this as well. Verse 41, And the next day all the congregation, or at least some of the congregation, of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron saying, You killed them! You killed all the people of the Lord. And boy, the Lord is upset. And the Lord spoke to Moses, verse 44, saying, Get away from among these, this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And what they do? They fell on their faces again. No, Lord, that's not what we desire. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer. Put fire in it from the altar. Put incense in it. Take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them for the wrath has gone out from the Lord and the plague has begun. And in verse 49, 14,700 people died. When you're, when you're removed from the glory of God, you can get away with a lot of stuff like Ananias and Sapphira. That wouldn't happen in today's church, to be honest with you, because the glory level is so low. But when the glory level is high, Things that you would have got away with, you don't get away with. Rebellion is one of those things. And so the Lord says, I want to put this sin away from us. I want you to take a, a rod from every tribe, the, a, a head from every tribe. I want you to write his name on that. And I want you to put it before the tabernacle of the Lord, before the, in the, in, 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 before the Ark of the Covenant. And I want you to take Aaron, the, 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 the rod of Levi, and I want you to write Aaron on it. And they put that before the Lord. And the next day, Moses went into the presence of the Lord. And lo and behold, Aaron's rod 
budded. I want you to understand something that we can. The Bible talks about submitting to authority, considering the outcome of their conduct. And those people who, who are walking in the wisdom of the Lord, their rod's going to bud. And I want to tell you, man of God, whoever you might be, if you're a husband, if you're a parent, I say this to your parent, I say this as a parent, when you stand alone and, and, and all their friends and everybody saying you're crazy and so forth and so on, just give God some time because it's going to be your rod that's going to bud and your child's going to see it. My children have seen my rod, but I'm not perfect. I'm getting ahead of myself, but Aaron was, was one of the key figures in this rebellion at the foot of the mountain, and he, he took the gold. He, he, he made the golden calf. He messed up big time, but he repented, and here is God saying, you know what? You're not a perfect leader, but you are my leader, and he caused his rod to bud. I want to tell you my own story concerning authority in my life, and maybe it'll help you. I'm not trying to dishonor my father or dishonor my mother in any way. The Bible tells me otherwise. But for this story to make any sense, I have to say this. When I was a child, when I was in my adolescence, when I was in my, a teenager, my mom and dad, and there's reasons that we could talk about their being brought up and how that affected their adulthood, a lot of us are this way. They would never tell me I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do that. Couldn't be a part of that. Never once did I ever get asked, Who are you, who's going to be there? What are you going to be doing there? I can tell you that I was in some situations in my life as a child that I should not be standing before you today. Now, many of you have stories way worse than mine. I am not trying to parade my story as something above yours or worse than yours, but I'm just telling you, I am only standing here by the grace of God. I was in scenes with sexual things. I was in scenes with drugs. I was in scenes with anything you can imagine. And only by the grace of God, again, am I standing before you today. And what that is, is a lack of authority in my life. And it hurt me. It caused me to go through things I didn't need to go through. It caused me to feel pain I didn't need to feel. And I want to tell you, young person, you may say, you know what? I don't feel love. You're always, you know, telling me what time I need to be home and who's going to be. You know what? You're always giving me a hard time. I want to tell you what. If you could ever experience what it is to never be asked those questions... Because when you never get asked those questions, it only equates to one thing, you're not loving me right. When you get asked those questions and you've been given those parameters because somebody's loving you, amen, you better be thankful for it. My character was ill-shapen. My tendency to quit had no drive, no determination, no vision, no anything in my life. School gave me some parameters and direction, you know, and teachers and leading me in life. Summer times, I sat around and ate a can of SpaghettiOs with the hot dogs and Kool-Aid every day. 
just doing my own thing, going where I wanted to go, get up. There was no, my dad never said, listen, I need you to cut the grass today. I need you to work on this. I need you to handle this. Never did he do that. When I got in high school, prior to that summer before my ninth grade year, we, we, all of us were going out for football. You know, they were going out for football. And so it started the summer before school started. And we went out there, we had to start lifting weights, and we had to run around a hot field and sticker, lay down in sticker fields that needed some spray and blah, 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 blah. About three or four days of that, and I just quit. I didn't show up. I didn't go back. I didn't do I just quit. Didn't tell nobody anything. I rode my three-wheeler with my friend who is now strung out on drugs to a degree you can't even imagine. Mentioning my friend, I was standing outside of his home on two occasions where his mother had pulled a pistol on his dad, and they are screaming, shoot me, shoot me, just shoot me, get it over with, shoot you. I mean, I'm sitting, and my friend is saying, this happens all the time, it's no big deal. I wonder why he's where he's at today. I quit. Went into high school. I loved baseball more than I did football. Uh, Coach Bags, you know, became really the first authority figure in my life who would stand toe-to-toe with me and say yes and no and whatever. I'd never seen that kind of authority. And for some reason, he took a liking to me. But yet, I I don't remember if I tried to quit baseball or football. I can't remember. We got back in it. And I went to his office one day, uh, you know, I'm a ninth grader, you know, and I say, Coach, I want to quit, either baseball or football. I just want to quit. He said, no, you're not. Get out of here. It's, it's funny now, you know. No, you're not. Get out of here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I remember for the first time in my life having authority bringing me yoked to authority, bringing me beyond my own will, my own weaknesses, and pushing me beyond what I wanted to do. I remember, you know, running belly flops. Does anybody know what belly flops are? You run 10 yards, and you won't hit the deck, and you get up, and you run, won't hit the deck, and it's 100 degrees outside in spring training, and literally, honestly, I really, and with everything in me, I'm not joking about this, I thought if he blows the whistle one more time, I am going to die right now. I remember going to the hose pipe and drinking water and all of us like a bunch of animals just drinking water out of the hose pipe and wanting to quit but knowing I can't quit. I remember having a flu one fall and practicing out there and I know I had a hundred and two degree temperature, maybe higher. I'm sick. I'm coughing. I'm out there. I'm so weak. I've got chills all over me. I say, coach, I'm sick. I need to go. You're all right. We don't do that nowadays, but maybe we need to. I literally, when I got home, I stayed in bed for two days. I, was, I literally had the flu, but driving me past my desire to be, to be a quitter. It takes authority. Authority is the only antidote for lawlessness. Coach Bags took me under his wing. He loved me. I, I remember 
pitching in LSU Stadium against East Ascension. I'll never forget as long as I live. I was a junior. Mark Willoughby's a senior. He went on to play minor league baseball for the, uh, New York Mets until he got Guillaume Bray and messed up his, his career. But I'm pitching out there. We're saving Mark for the, the next game coming up. And I'm out there, and my arm is like rubber, and I'm just throwing batting practice. And these East, East Ascension bums are just beating me to death. I mean, everything I threw, even close to the plate, they were killing me. I mean, just killing me. Couldn't get an out, whatever. And at some point during that inning, I looked over at the dugout. The game, but it wasn't district. It wasn't. I, I did like this to the dugout. I said, time out, ump. Coach Bax starts walking out the dugout like he's going to murder me. He said, yeah, what do you need? I said, Coach, I'm ready to be pulled right now. <laughs> I, I, I'm pulling myself. Here's the ball. I, oh, he said, no, this is where you learn character. You got this. I'm going to be honest with you. You think what, what, those moments and times in my life when somebody pressed me beyond what I wanted changed my life. It really did. Coach Baggs blessed me. He, he, when I was a sophomore, he sent me, drove me, drove me all the way to some North Louisiana, trying out for the Cincinnati Reds. I was a left-hander, threw real hard. I mean, he just took me under his wing. He blessed me and so forth and so on. Took me one time off-season to Saints training camp, and, and Morton Anderson was going to work with me and whatever. Drove me all the way down there. Morton got snowed in in Denver, blah, 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 whatever. But he, did, he, he didn't just direct me. He loved me. And I remember this story in my senior year, and you've heard this story before, but it, 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 it marks me today. And as seniors, we got out early. We went, got the pitching machine out to do batting practice and so forth and so on. That pitching machine was heavy, extremely heavy. Me and Sammy Messina, Coach Sammy, the Ronja Wolves, we'd get that pitching machine out every day while two of these other guys, and I grew up with all three of these guys, I love them to death. We buy our Christmas trees from one of them. Every year. Some of you know who I'm talking about. And they just sat up there, wouldn't do nothing every day. And I just got sick and tired, to be honest with you. I said, Today, me and Sammy getting the machine, it's, it's over. You guys going to get off of it, and you going to carry the pitching machine today, and I ain't moving. They said, I ain't doing nothing. Lawless. Lawless. I said, Okay. I, you know, in my mind, I'm coach's pet. And this ain't going to be good. You're going to be in trouble, trouble. Coach Baggs drove up that old green, light green Chevy with a thing on the, I couldn't drive it nowhere and whatever. And he got out and he said, where's the pitching machine? I said, ask them. We get it out every day coaching it. When I tell you, he went off on me. Son, he had tobacco spit flying all over the place. Some of it landed on me. He, he might have even spit out his water tobacco. He was screaming at me, and I'll never forget these words. He said, that's petty, Kevin Dunn. And he was expecting more out of me than that. Was it fair? It wasn't fair. But as I look back on it today, I thank God for that moment in time when somebody taught me that life's not fair. Stop waiting on the world to do right and just do right. It's called character. And God will raise you and elevate you when you go through unfair situations. 
He got me a job at the clerk's office. I, I, he sat me down the first day with Carmen Moore, the clerk's office, and you know, another guy was oozing with authority, and I'll never forget, he coached back to introduce me this way. This is Kevin Dunn. He plays defensive end. He's a sophomore on our JV team. He plays defensive end, and he'll knock your head off. I wasn't just a kicker, by the way. I was tough. Really, I was. I was. <laughs> but you were the kicker. Well, my daughter, she, you were the kicker, Dad. The story's for you. And JV, we didn't kick off. You just took the ball at 20-yard line. I remember on kickoff teams, I would pick me out somebody, and I would literally leave my feet and, and drive myself through this person and kill him. That was the days before defenseless receiver. And I submitted myself under Carmen, Mr. Carmen Moore's authority. And I'm telling you, he blessed me, and he gave me raises. And when God turned me away from baseball. I, I, I remember on the payphone up in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, I said, I, said, I said, Mr. Moore, you know, God's not in this. I don't uh, understand it, but I need to come home. I just want my job back. He said, son, come on. I got you. And, you know, well, I had some friends there at the clerk's office, uh, Andre Richardson, uh, John Smith. Uh, John is called Tree. He, some, I think they're still there. Tree's a preacher. He's a pastor in Arcola. And uh, funny, these guys were hilarious, and I would go through there, and we'd cut up and laugh and whatever, and some, you lose sight of yourself for a moment, you kind of drift a little bit, and you're not working, you're kind of talking, and all of a sudden, somebody say, Mr. Moore's coming. When I heard those words, literally, it's like blood in my heart. And when he walked by and he gave that glance, he didn't need to say nothing to me because God was teaching me authority and respecting authority everywhere I was at. During that time, I was on fire for the Lord. My pastor was at the little church I was going to. Brother Nathan Furman was my first pastor. At that point when God was stirring in my heart, and I remember him preaching, and they didn't have money for the pews yet they were saving money had little brown folding chairs and I remember on a Sunday night when the, the, the glare in his glasses and God was speaking in my heart and, and I was on fire for the Lord and so forth and so on and God was doing so much as I submitted and loved those people that were called to speak into my life I remember one wintry night and one Sunday night we had church and a crew got up this hayride we were going this hayride and and I mean well, we got church. Well, you know what? We're going to just miss this Sunday night, and we're going to get on the hayride, and we're going to go. And so a whole group of us, probably a third of the church, got on this trailer and tractor and hay and freezing cold, and we're driving. And, and I'm thinking, what am, I, what am I doing? We pulled on the Woodhaven Road and the last little leg of it, and somebody said, you know, it's cold, but it sure beats listening to that old Nathan Furman tonight. And I want to tell you, my heart literally broke. I went to my pastor the next day, and I said, Brother Nathan, Brother Furman, I want to tell you, I apologize. I was on that hayride, and I repent of that. I'm so sorry that I did that. He said, you was on that hayride, too. It broke his heart. I got out from under authority in my life. You said, that don't matter. Oh, yes, it does. Because some, some of you may be on a hayride today. 
you better recognize, you better, you better get where you need to be. If you're out from under mom and dad's covering, you better, because I'm going to tell you, that hayride turns into a hell ride. Listen to pastor, I'm telling you. Brother Joe Prather was my next pastor. Loved him. He was the guy that, you know, looked at me one day after the kids were acting up in church one Sunday morning, and he said, somebody needs to take those kids in that little building right over there and, and teach them the Bible on their level, and da 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 Ain't that right, Kevin? And he put me in ministry or helped me find that place. And in that little old building, it's probably a 10 by 15. That's no, that's no exaggeration. And I'm, I'm teaching these kids, children's church, and so forth and so on. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I love my pastors. He never pastored beyond 100 people, I'm sure. But I love my pastors. Some, I was in a situation one day, and somebody's talking about Brother Joe. And I, and, I, and, and I was very quiet. I'm quiet now. I was super quiet then. Didn't say a word. And I looked at that person and said, don't, don't talk about my pastor. See, when you're saved, you don't need to hear a lot of teaching on authority. When you're in the yoke, it just, it's just something that becomes normal to you. You love authority because it's Christ's authority. I wish it ended right there. Brother Ed Gregg was my next pastor. I love Brother Ed. He's gone home to be with the Lord. Brother Ed, he was different. And to be honest with you, he's very cantankerous. And very, I would call him belligerent, just, just outspoken. Um, and we would go out to eat at a restaurant. You know, Miss Lynn and Mr. Henry were always, they, they honored authority. They'd bring them out to eat and so forth and so on. They honored authority, and I, I learned some of that from them as well. And he would offend the waitress every time. I, no, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical, judgmental. I'm not exaggerating. I'm, not, I'm telling you, he, he, his communication just offended. People got mad at him all the time. Well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a young man, and at this point, I'm getting kind of disillusioned with the church, to be honest with you. And people, and why ain't they doing, what is this? And why, why don't people do what they do? Why don't we just can't do, do this together? That's, that's the time in my life when I was, you know, driving the church vans, leading the music, working with the kids, cutting the grass, cleaning the buildings. I was doing all that, me and Pastor Lisa. And that day happened when I was weeding around the church bit. All of a sudden, a wall stung me on the ear, and I threw the weed eater down. I threw a fit, and I was upset and whatever. And I went over there and weed eating the ditch that day, and sewage is flying all over me. And I just said, this is ridiculous. And I went and talked to Brother Ed. And I said, Brother Ed, why ain't everybody helping us? What's, what's going on here? And da-da-da-da-da. And my authority figure, being what he was, did say something that really changed my life. He said, who are you doing this for? When those words came from my authority figure, they changed my life. I'm not doing this for you or anybody else. I'm doing this for the Lord. And we all join together and we all re receive the benefits together. But I'm doing this for the Lord and for the Lord only. And it changed my life. One Wednesday night, I'm in, in, in the church service and, and, and he's teaching. And I've just about had it with all the stuff. Church, again, whenever you're... Whenever you're finding yourself in that place, watch out. The enemy's trying to turn you away from authority. And there was some legitimate reason for some of my frustration toward the pastor. He was, he was ugly. I'm going to be honest with you. And, and I don't know, he had heart. He didn't get oxygen to his brain. I, I don't know what was going on. He was just ugly sometimes. 
And so one Wednesday night, I'm sitting up there listening. I didn't mean to, but I'm just sitting up there, and obviously my heart is not open to him, and something is happening here in this, in this interaction as he's preaching. And when the service ended, he, called, he said, Kevin, I need to talk to you a minute. He brought me back in a little Sunday school room, and he sat me down in one of those metal folding chairs, and he took a chair, and he turned it around backwards, and he shrouded that chair, and he got in my face and, and almost touched my nose. And he said, what are you doing? What's up with this attitude? Let's get, it, let's get it dealt with right now. Did he probably overreact? Probably. Did I need that? Well, that's what I'm trying to preach to you today and help you to understand. The short answer is yes, I absolutely needed that. Because it's not what you think. In Numbers 12, 1, we see this. Then Miriam and Aram spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through you, Moses, and has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. And commentators, you know, debate over, you know, what, what the infraction was and what caused Miriam, Miriam, who is his, little, his older sister, and Aaron, his big brother, to confront him and say, you know what, you just violated your leadership over our lives. We have the spirit just like you do. And they felt like they were so justified in this behavior. And all of a sudden, the Lord heard it. He came down in the cloud and he said, I want to talk to the three of you. Little brother, big sister, big brother. And he turns to Miriam and Aaron and says, you know what? When I speak to prophets, I speak to visions and dreams and so forth and so forth. Not Moses, my servant. He is faithful in all my house and I speak to him as face to face. Why were you not afraid to speak evil of my servant? When the, and the Bible said that God's anger was aroused in the cloud. When he went up in the cloud, when he left, Miriam became a leper. She was leprous. Here's Moses again. What a, a model, role model for pastors and family. He's not wanting this to happen to his sister. He falls on his face. Lord, please heal her. Please don't leave her this way. Heal her, Lord. And the Lord said, I'm going to heal her, heal her according to your prayer, but we're going to learn a lesson here. And Miriam had to stay outside the camp a week as a leper. And Aaron said to his little brother, he says, Oh, my Lord, oh, my Lord, don't charge us with this sin. Please forgive us. I want you to understand, it's not what you think. Being in the yoke of Jesus is not what you think. Put up those scriptures in 1 Peter for me real quick. It says, therefore, this is another place, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. If your governor tells you to wear a mask, you wear a mask. Can I get one amen right there? For the Lord's sake, whether the king is supreme or to what? To what? As to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the what? <laughs> that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as a bondservant, as a slave of God. You're not free to run in the daisied meadows. Your liberty is found in the yoke. That's where you drive out devils. That's where the kingdom of God comes and manifests in, in your life. Amen? 
Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Nero, yes, honor the king. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God. You're not going to trick me. If I tell you, you know, it's Caesar's the boss, then you're going to say, well, why do we worship God? Because he's saying something opposite that God's saying. You got to know when to render who to what. But just because Nero is not doing all you want him to do doesn't mean, and I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a battle with that, doesn't mean you can throw off his rule in your life. When any government, anybody, any authority figure tells me to disobey God, that's when I ought to obey God rather than men, right? I'll give you an example. I have no right to tell you not to wear a mask. I wear a mask. We all wear a mask because it's a mandate that a uh, medical, uh, you know, the medical field is, is, is obviously giving us clear evidence that, you know, it helps. It helps slow the spread and so forth and so on and so forth and so on. But, you know, let me give you another example. Two or three years ago, somebody comes and they have an emotional support animal and they want to come to church. And, uh, and it, it, it's kind of turned into a big deal. You know, they, they left the other church, threatened lawsuits, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and then they want to come to our church. And I turned to Josh and, and the staff, especially Josh. I said, Josh, what are we going to do about this? I don't want him to process through and think through, how are we going to handle this? It's the law. You're supposed to accommodate emotional support animals and so forth. It's a law. So he said, oh, well, I guess, I guess, Dad, I'm going to tell him, I would tell him to, you know, just come and sit in the foyer. I said, that's exactly what we're not going to do. Because I want you to understand something. This right here supersedes. I'm not having animals in this holy house of God. Are you listening to me? I'm not going to have... I said, son, if you open that door, you'll have a petting zoo in the foyer because Satan is going to run through that crack. We're going to have a small barnyard in the church today, and I'm going to tell you, we're going we're gonna to dishonor God. And so I called the man in, and the Holy Spirit helped me. We talked it through or whatever, whatever. But I'm giving you an example. of There's certain things I can't give on. I've got to render that unto God. You understand what I mean by that? It's not what you think. 1 Peter 3, 1, wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands. Oh, we missed something. Go back. Servants, slaves. There were people that were selling their family, themselves into slavery. They were owned. They were property to another person. You would think the Bible would say that's wrong. Don't do that, whatever. And again, it's not apples to apples with, with what we're aware of. But it was still people owning people. You know what Peter said? Peter said, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good in general, but also to the what? That's tough. It's not what you think. 1 Peter 3 1, he just, he's, he's just going through this. 1 Peter 3 1, wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word. Wait a minute. My husband, I'd submit to him, but I want to tell you, he don't go to church. He don't, do he don't blah, blah, blah. blah, blah, blah. I, I would, but he, he, I, wait a minute. That ain't what you think. Wives, be submissive to your own husband, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear 
Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, say we've left. The holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. For the grace of God that brings salvation. Oh, oh, oh I missed something. I probably didn't give it to you. The next verse says, like Abraham did and his wife when she called him what? Now, you know the scripture, don't you? <laughs> Anybody else know that scripture? She called him what? I hear it. Anybody know over here? What did, what did Sarai call Abraham? I call little brother Lord. I call husband Lord. I don't know what all this means, and I don't know how to practically work it all out, but what I am telling you, it ain't what you think. It ain't what you think. Can I get one amen right there? Being under that yoke ain't what you think. When I'm out from under authority in my life, I'm out from under his authority in my life. Can I get a witness in the house? And he, he, here's why I'm being so extensive in this season right now, because it's, it's the time to talk about this. I'm here to tell you, listen to me. You know, my kids are up here. Hannah's, Hannah's communicating and talking about this person online who's talking about wearing masks and not wearing masks and whatever. I don't even know. Who, we don't talk about it. I don't, know, I don't want names. I don't want whatever. But let me just say this as an example. I can't help you. I can't help you. And we need to understand that what's happening to authority figures in, in the land today is what's bringing about what we're seeing, the chaos. It's Moses with his hands up and, and Joshua out there fighting the battle. And he's winning, he's losing, he's winning, he's losing. He don't know what the deal is. But Moses up there holding his hands up, he gets tired, he puts a hand down, he loses. This is a picture of authority, biblical authority. A real picture. And so Aaron and her go, you know what? Do you see what I'm seeing? When authority's lifted up, and I'm not talking about, oh, Moses, you are wonderful, you are wonderful, you are great. You... Moses don't want that. But his hands are tired. Aaron goes, let's go lift his hands up. And his hands get lifted up, and all of a sudden they start winning the battle. And I want to tell you something. Let me tell you why we're losing the battle for our children, because there's not authority operating in our homes the way it needs to. And I want to tell you, every last one of us in this room or listening online, we need to grasp, understand, wrestle through, figure out, understand how to approach authority in our land. Because if we get out from under authority, we get out from under the power to bring God's best in our life. Is anybody listening today? You can pray for them. You can go by your kid's room and you can say, Lord, help them. Lord, bless them. Lord, save them. Lord, deliver them. You can walk by your wife's room and you can go, God, fix our marriage. Help us, Lord. We need you. You can go by your neighbor's house and you can go, Lord, save them. They need help. God, do something. But I want to tell you what they're going to need is they're going to need you to get up in that house with them. There's a house within your house, and it's where the war and the battle is won for souls and the kingdom of God. And you got to get in that house. 
And those seven sons of Sceva said, we're going to get in the house. That old boy, he's demon-possessed. We've got to get the devil going. We've got to get in there. And you know what? I've seen it done before. And here we go. And pastor preached on a Sunday morning. And here we go. I'm going to get in there. And we're going to do this. And we're going to go. And we're going to get in there. And we say, hey, to the demon-possessed man, we implore you by the Jesus that Paul preaches, come out of him. Hallelujah. And the demon looked at them and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? I know Jesus because he's a man under authority, and he says, go, and we got to go. And I know Paul because when he says go, he's a man under authority, and when he says go, we got to go. But I don't know you, and you saying go But you're not a people under authority. You're not a person under authority. Therefore, you have no authority. And the Bible said he jumped on them, beat them up, ripped their clothes off. Come on. And they ran out of the house naked and wounded. If you're going to get in the house, within your house, that's going to save your kids, deliver your kids, help your kids, fix your marriage, you better be a person under authority. Let's stand to our feet. Matt, just come play something, please. Play anything. I know I've been long last week. I'm long this week. It drives me insane. I, I wrestle with it all day. I'm going to beat myself up today. I appreciate that. I'm not here trying to spin my wheels or waste your time. It's Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to get our chicken wings tonight. We're going to whatever. You know, I'm all in. But what I just share with you is eternal truths, eternal value. And my God, if you're missing it, please listen to it. Listen to it. Study it out yourself until it gets inside of you. We don't just send cookie trays out there to all these people. Because, hey, we're going to give you a cookie. We won't make you fat. We want you to like us. It's an assignment from the Lord. Let me tell you why I go drive hours and give a love offering to a pastor somewhere. It's because of what I I believe, what I'm preaching today. We honor. And those first responders, those policemen, those health care workers that are out there, they're they're a, a segment of God's authority in our lives. And they're in the yoke, and they're serving me and you. Is anybody in the house? And I don't like sometimes when they exact some authority over my life when I don't want them to. Like when the fire department says, burn ban, burn ban, burn ban, burn ban. I hate burn bans. Every time I start cleaning up, get something ready, about to strike a match, and oh, I better call the... Yeah, we're in the burn ban. It's not lifted. So I just burn it anyway. No, put the match away, let the rain rain on it, drive me insane, look at the garbage, and wait for some to call them and say, hey, is the burn man lifted? Yeah, it's lifted, it's lifted, okay. I like to burn things, by the way. I don't know if there's something wrong with me or not, but I like to burn something, okay? (laughs) We need this. I'm asking you, if if, if you understand what I'm saying today and you, you say, you know what? I didn't, 
I don't want to be, I don't want to be in that position where Jesus looks at me and says, depart from me. I was in Eagle Heights Church. I served the nursery. I did this. I, you know, I cut the grass. I hedged the thing. I cleaned up the parking lot. I did all these things. I, I, I never knew you. Because you missed that essential greed of being under authority. And it makes us all vulnerable. We've got to use the Spirit of God to know what to do. Somebody said, what if they make us, what if they make us get inoculated? What if they make us take the vaccine? What, do, what are we going to do? Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If they make you take a vaccine and you don't want to take a vaccine, I promise you God will take care of you. Do what you want to do. But if you think they're trying to in, in, uh, inject you with, you know, COVID to run up the numbers of COVID or some, you know, thing, or they're injecting you with the mark of the beast, some chip, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. Humble yourself. God loves you. He's going to take care of you. And you just because, again, you're going to be looking at the apple. And he's going to take you out of your place of blessing and your position of authority that you need. Pastor Kevin, I don't understand it all. I can't, I can't pare it back 30 seconds of this. I don't understand it all. But in my spirit, I know what you're saying today is right. And I want to be in the yoke under authority and I'm going to trust God to take care of all my life and everything that I encounter moving forward. I'm a man under authority. And therefore, I'm going to believe that God's going to bring authority. Authority in your home is not stomping your foot and raising your voice and yelling at everybody. That's not it. You might need to do that, by the way. You might need to turn over a table. I don't know. Some of you may need to do that. But it's just something that's there. Can I get an amen? It's just something that's there. And devils can't occupy it. And all of a sudden, you, you, your child makes a wrong decision or doing the wrong thing, and you speak something to him. And it's just like Jesus. And they said, he speaks with authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees, that your words are finding their way into the heart because there's an authoritative word being spoken. Elsewise, they're just doing like this. How many of you know you need authority in your life? I want us to submit ourselves today before the Lord, myself included. If you, don't you dare do anything that's not in your heart or in faith today. But as the congregation of Eagle Heights Church, as my family, the Duns, we're going to take our position right here. I'm not, that, I'm not the top. There is no top. So I'm going to stand right down here with you facing this way. And I ask you to join me to be a church that is under authority because we need authority and we don't want to get sidetracked looking at an apple and Satan is just killing us. I'm going to ask you to come and join me as Matt plays. And then I'll pray in a moment. Oh God. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our hearts, Lord. Transform us by the renewing of our minds. Let us see, Lord, what we have failed to see. We want to be a people under authority, oh God. Work in us, Lord. Work in us, Lord. 
Give us wisdom, Father God, in this confusing world, Lord. So many voices, so many positions, so many places, so many false prophets, so many things, Lord, that we have to navigate through God by your grace, by your mercy. Please protect us. Watch over us. Spirit of God, guide us into all truth. I just felt this in my heart to do. I want us to please stand to our feet and just raise our hands before the Lord. There, there's a lot, there's, some, there's a lot of levels going on in our country right now. But as sure as I was kneeling there, the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't agree with I don't agree with our governor and some of the things, and you know I, I, I render unto him the honor unless he tells me to do something else where I would disobey God. But right now, I just feel like we need to pray for our president. I'm gonna be I'm so taken back, not by Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, but spiritually where we're at as a nation. That's what's it's just overwhelmed. People are lost people, and they're going to do what lost people do. They don't know they're trying to do what they think is right. But the Bible says the heart of the king is in the Father's hand. He can turn it. And we're in trouble if God doesn't turn it. Are you with me? Let's, I haven't heard a speech. I, haven't, I have shut myself out from media over the last month. I really have. I just... You say, that's not wise. I'm just telling you what I felt like I needed to do, and I, and I don't second-guess that now. But right now, I, I just want us to pray for our president and our vice president. Father God, only you can recover this land, Lord, to a land that you can bless, a land where our marriages are protected, our children are protected. Where souls will be birthed into the kingdom of God. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only, Father God, only you can do that, Lord. And in accordance to your word today and your tugging at my heart, I pray for our President Joe Biden and our Vice President Kamala Harris. Forgive me for tension frustration that may have been Lord in my heart toward them as individuals Father God I pray that you would save them both that you would guide them that you would lead them Father God for your name's sake Lord not for them not for me not for us God but for your name's sake Lord and that this wonderful nation of ours, the great United States of America, Lord, would bring a smile to your face and pleasure to your heart. Father God, direct all of our leaders, the judges of the land, our politicians, Father God, everyone, the sheriffs, the mayors, Father God, turn us back to your heart. I lift up their hands, Father God. I bless them right now. And may they hear clearly your voice and only your voice. May they have the boldness to take the stand when they need to take a stand. God, I bless us, the families of those FBI agents who went up into that house. Father God, may we go into the house. No matter what we face, no matter the consequences, God, let us go into the house. 
where change can be made in this land. Protect our children, Lord, and the crimes against children in our land. Help the babies. Protect the innocent, Lord. Bless the babies today. Like you did me, Lord. Protect them, Lord, until they come in to their destiny. We bless all our officials. We bless our policemen, Father God. Give them strength. Give them wisdom. Give them knowledge, Father God. Give them training. Give them what they need. Our firefighters, give them boldness. Give them strength, Father God. Our health care workers, bless them, Lord. Bless them as they are on the front lines right now. In a thankless job, God, I bless them right now. The teachers of Tanshbaho Parish especially, I bless them right now, Father God. The coaches, I saw Sean out there. Bless our coaches, Lord. Bless everyone, God, and help them to understand the power of their influence. Help them, Father. Coach Bag said, son, you need to get away from that crowd. He didn't tell me to get saved. He said, get away from that crowd. It changed my life. An anointing came on my life. I literally lost all desire to hang out with those people he was talking about. Coach, you can do that. Teacher, you can do that. I've kept you long enough. God loves us. God's with us. God's going to help us. And I want to be a man under authority. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed. Thank you for your patience. Come on, Matt. Hit it hard.